Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the Stories of Darkness podcast. My name is Sean. The goal of this series is to bring to life the introductory fiction of source books from the world of darkness. The focus initially will be on first-person perspective stories from the Vampire the Masquerade line of books. Our first story is called A Night Like Any Other and is from the revised edition of Clan Book Bruja, published in 2000 by White Wolf and written by Justin Achille. If I had crashed my car, I might not be a vampire. I remember standing on the street corner waiting for a bus thinking, Jesus, does it always rain in this city? And that was the night I died. When I look back on it now, I think of it like all those other rainy nights, as if God personally punctuated another formative chapter of my life with rain because he thought the symbolism hadn't yet been beaten to death. It rained when my girlfriend dumped me. It's not you, it's me. It rained when they diagnosed my mother with lung cancer. And it rained when I went to the hospice to see her. It rained the day I wrecked my car which is why I was waiting for a bus in the first place. Cause and effect is a strange thing. If I didn't have to wait for the bus, would my sire have found me? I just stepped onto the bus stop kiosk. I collapsed my umbrella and shook the water from my coat, doing both carefully so as not to spray the guy sitting on the bench. The kiosk had one of those backlit mini billboard ads, a bright yellow sign advertising some website. The other guy sat in front of it, the light from the sign making him look jaundiced. We exchanged empty pleasantries, consciously avoiding eye contact and real conversation, just like everyone else in the city. Those rare times you do make eye contact with someone, he's invariably some street lunatic begging for money or waiting to stab you between the fifth and sixth rib. I checked my watch. 6.27. It was winter, so it had already been dark for about an hour. I like that. Or I guess it's more appropriate to say I liked it. But anyway, I figured that I still had a good nine minutes before the bus showed up. With any luck, I can make it to the deli across the street and be back in time for the next bus. Ain't never gonna happen, said a voice from the end of the kiosk. I beg your pardon, I asked. Damn it, I thought to myself. You answered. Now he's gonna talk to you. I said, it ain't never gonna happen. You want to run over there and pick up a sandwich or a newspaper or something and make it back in time to catch the bus. You know better than that. The second you step into that store, the bus will come. Fate. I looked him over, preparing a devastating smirk of dismissal. He was one of those weird arty types with frosted lens glasses, straight-legged pants, and a clingy shirt. Either a starving artist or a millionaire internet maverick. Well, at least he wasn't a derelict. And he had a point. Still, it bothered me that I had been so transparent. Perhaps he was just exceptionally perceptive, but it hasn't been my experience that overestimating people paid off. Was I that obvious? I asked. It's not that you're easy to read. You just carry yourself with a bearing that says you want more out of life, and you're willing to take a risk to get it. Damn. I should have seen this coming. He was trying to rope me into some marketing scheme or talk me into purchasing a timeshare or something. Don't get pissed off. It was a compliment. Most people you see at bus stops are just going from home to work or from work to home, you know? It's all they want to do. Make ends meet. You, though... You're different. You look forward when you walk, not down. You shook the water off your jacket instead of letting it make you miserable. You wanted to pick up your magazine but still catch the bus, so you've obviously got somewhere to be. What the hell was this? It almost made me laugh. Here I was, trying to get my sandwich, not magazine, and make it home in time to see Jeopardy, 
and this guy was making me out to be some high-powered overachiever from a Tom Wolfe book. But you don't see it in yourself. You don't let yourself want more. The thunder had broke, and the rain came pouring down harder than before. I woke to tapping at my window. I didn't think to be scared. If I had thought about it for a moment, I'd have ignored it because my apartment is on the sixth floor, and it could have only been birds or rats. I didn't think, though, and bolted upright when I heard the noise. It was the guy from the bus stop. He crouched on the sill outside, arms outstretched above his head, knees bent, legs dangling in the air. The ledge was only about six inches wide, but he seemed comfortably balanced. I should have screamed or ran, called the police, anything. I couldn't. He waved me over to him. I couldn't resist. He motioned for me to open the window, a growing smile crossing his face, showing more and more teeth as I dumbly followed his instructions. As the window came open, I heard the rain outside. It's fucking soaking out here. Invite me in, he said. And so I did. My guest clambered through the window, now wearing a hip-length leather coat and a pair of creased wool pants. He hadn't changed his shirt from before, but now I could see the bold outlines of muscle beneath. He wasn't bulky, just defined, as if all the extraneous fat that would have been on a typical person had been flensed away, leaving only what was vital. The bizarre circumstances had finally begun to register in my tired mind. A man I had met at a bus station had climbed through my sixth-story window because I had asked him in. You think I'm wrong about you, don't you? He asked, still smiling. Wait, what do you mean? I replied awkwardly, realizing just how much trouble I had brought upon myself. I inched backward toward my bedroom door. His smile had the features of a hunter, sharp and toothy. Even his eyes had the red glow of a predator, not the pale green glimmer of prey. He advanced, every step a lithe, purposeful motion, like a jungle cat on a Discovery Channel special. You think you're satisfied where you are? Wanting more than this little life of yours makes you unhappy, so you ignore it. But you're scared. Scared that I can see it. He continued slinking forward as I stumbled backward, bumbling my way down the hall and into the kitchen. The floodlight from the billboard across the street reflected into the room, making it less dim than it should have been. It was a cold, sterile light, inorganic and unflattering. It made my guests look positively ghoulish. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't want anything. This apartment's fine, and I have a decent job. My voice quavered, sounding more like a sob as I rationalized myself to this dauntless freak. I get all the channels. I've got my 401k. I scrambled across the kitchen counter, grabbing a sabatier chef's knife, but sank to my knees on the linoleum. My eyes filled with tears. I didn't really know what I was doing with the knife. Are you going to stab me? Why? Because you hate yourself? That's a stupid reason to hurt me, isn't it? I nodded. The intruder placed his foot on my shoulder and shoved me down. I tumbled backward from my kneeling position, landing unceremoniously on my ass, still clutching the knife. My will had vanished, and I sucked in gasping breaths like a child crying himself to suffocation. Take that knife and do what you need to do. I'll run a hot bath for you. As he turned his back to me, I sprang from my clumsy position. Bearing the knife in his kidney, I slumped to the ground, not even caring that he still stood. As I lay on the floor in a pool of my own tears, I heard the knife clatter on the floor beside my head. I cringed at the sound and the tang of the blood. The man whom I had just stabbed in the back walked down the hall, past my bedroom, and ran a bath. Before long, steam billowed from the bathroom doorway. My guest returned to my side. Come on, then. 
No need to delay this. He picked me up under my arms, handed the knife back, and gave me a push down the hallway. As I approached the bathroom, the trail of his blood grew fainter and fainter, as if the wound had closed itself while he walked. As I stumbled down the hall, I knew that what I was doing was crazy. Still, I knew that death was better than what I had. Before I made it to the bathroom, I used the knife to score my wrists. Like my tormentor's bloodstains in reverse, I left a small trickle at first that grew from a few splatters into a murky, viscous trail. Dropping the knife on the tiled bathroom floor, I climbed into the tub and died. Thunder woke me, which made no sense. At first I thought I had dreamed it all, but my guest's sardonic voice soon put my hopes of that to rest. Welcome back. I was in my bed. The window was closed, and the clock blinked that annoying twelve over and over. The power had gone out at some point. I felt a warm, rusty nausea in my gut. What happened? I asked. Well, that's a long story. I brought you among the kindred, but I needed to make sure you wanted it first. So you made me kill myself? You son of a bitch! I lost all energy yelling at him, but I could feel a red haze rising in the back of my mind. I didn't even know what he was talking about, but it pissed me off. What the fuck is the matter with you? The red haze kept rising. You come to my house, torture me, and then turn me into some kind of... Some... What the fuck is this? That's my boy. That's the old bruja spirit. It's not fair, is it? What are you going to do about it? Screw you. What right do you have? Spare me the drama queen dialogue. You knew what I was when I asked you to open the window for me. You wanted this. What the hell are you talking about? I don't want this. I didn't ask you to... Make you a vampire? I don't even believe in vampires. Well, that's funny. You sure act like one. He nodded his head to one side, indicating the corner of the bedroom. In the corner lay the body of my neighbor, a Hispanic community college student. Her throat had been torn open, leaving ragged strips that dangled unwholesomely from the white and red marbling of the muscle beneath. Smeared blood streaked the front of her ruined body. Her blouse had been crudely torn and wrenched sideways. The mouth hung open. Glassy eyes peered at the room, seeing nothing. I had killed her. The nausea in my stomach was her blood, warming me from within. I vomited. Blood roared out of my mouth and all over the sheets. Don't waste it, shithead. Like a bolt, he had risen from his seat and forced my face down into the bloody mess. Now take it back in. That's a good boy. Forcing the sick back down again, I continued to retch, this time giving up less of the delicious fluid. It was disgusting. Orgasmic pleasure from swallowing mouthfuls of blood. Keep it down. You're going to need that where you're going. What? Where am I going? I looked at the creature in a panic as he jerked me from my bed and hurled a handful of clothes at me. Come on. It's time for everyone to meet the new kindred in town. Damn. If you can do this to yourself, just think of what you'll be able to do to someone who pisses you off. Oh, and bring your raincoat.